Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I am John Wilson. You can find me uh, on Twitter at John Reads Comics. And I was told to, to, to plug my stuff. So um, I run a couple of podcasts. Uh, I have a show I do on old 60s Marvel comics called Make Hours Marvel with my friend Michael Kaiser. That is every Friday um, at makehoursmarvel.com. We're just podcasting our way through all of the Marvel Universe because why do you need to have limits? And I also um, am just starting up a show over at my own website, johnreadscomics.com, called All the Pouches an image comics podcast where I am exploring the early years of image comics. So uh, go check me out over there. Drop me an email. Let me know what you think. All the pouches sounds like, like, you know, when people do like, uh, they're like, they have like vlogs of like, we're going to go through what, what's in my bag today. You never seen your, I've never, never seen no, those. Like, no. what's in, it's like, look, uh, carry people all, do that. Yeah. It's like, look at all the stuff. I well, carry. People just dump their purse on the I counter. Can do a video, I can do a whole episode of what's in my backpack. Cause I, have so much stuff in there but you just talk about it yeah i don't don't know people on the internet like weird things i mean we do a podcast about once you're podcasting it's it's hard to (laughs) judge other people's niche interests (laughs) yeah where is the limit superman didn't have any limits look where that um but count the dead alfred What's funny is that I was trying to find some art for the show and there's not a lot of art of all the image superheroes together because they were, they didn't really do that in their early marketing for image. Um, But I finally found one that was done for a comic convention and um, none of the pouches were visible on any of the characters. So my show is called all the pouches because that's such a thing for nineties superhero costume designs. And these guys didn't have any that day. So, you know, it's just kind of funny. It's like a, it's like a, what do you call that? An anti-joke. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Today we're talking about minute number five of Suicide Squad, which is going to start with the remembrance of the death of Superman. And in the minute it's going to end with, uh, no, it's pretty much all about Superman, really, because Amanda Waller is going to talk about the values that Superman shared with uh, us. And I say us in quotes because I want to know what those values are and um what does she mean by that because it's easy to say it's easy to say superman represents you know truth justice and the american way right like that's like we know that outside here in the real world um but what is she referring to that is she referring to that superman shared our values as as ethics and and virtues or is she saying that superman helped our agenda being that we are not the best human beings. Do I start off with that question? Because I, I, I asked I some of the thoughts on that. All right. Go yeah. For it. Go for it. it. Shoot. Um, I think Amanda Waller is extremely um, self-centered and self-motivated and pragmatic along those lines. And when she says Superman shared our values, she's saying that he valued us. He valued life and people and didn't try to kill us and that's good you know but a lot of people do go out there and try to kill you because they don't really care about you and they don't 
really have any interest or value for you. And that could be the next superpowered person, which not to go off on too much of a tangent right at the beginning, but one of the things I've noticed in early image comic stuff is that's kind of the world is like, there's a lot of superheroes, super characters out there who are taking their powers and doing whatever the heck they want to with them. And so you have a few characters who are trying to fight that. And that's what Amanda Waller thinks that anybody would do. If Joe Schmo on the street got superpowers, would he be a good person? Probably not. And so you think Amanda Waller's just like the checks and balances right there. So she's got to, she's got to keep all these metahumans in line. Mm-hmm. The, I think that, but I feel like it's more with an iron fist. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it could be less, it could be less Superman shared our values, but more Superman serviced us. Like not that he was sharing values. It was like he, he bent to our will kind of way. Cause he, was such a good guy that you could walk all over him kind of thing. But like other metahumans will not do that unless I force them to. That that works. I think the us in her is the literal US. So I think Superman's values in us is both as humans, non-metahumans, but also towards the American populace. She is still a government official. She is still meeting with government agencies and all these things. They're mm-hmm. still really America Moto. Like, that is their thing. And the one thing that did carry over, especially with Swanwick, was saying, How do we know that you're not going to act in America's? How do we know you're not going to act in America's best Against interest? Against America's, America's best interest. interest. Yeah. yeah, whatever. That is supposed to set the tone out of all of this. So, like, I, in my assumption, everybody that is affiliated with government that comes in contact with metahumans is always thinking, how can they work for America? Not just how can we integrate them in this world with humans and metahumans, it's how can we use the metahumans to American advantage. You you said work for America, not work with America. For, And I think that is... It's for, you you have the abilities, you should serve your country. That's what every government character in a superhero, like DC, in my opinion... That's how they view it. Batman did not does yeah, not no. do that. Exactly. Well, then again, if you want to go as so far as that, there's an argument where Batman isn't a metahuman, so he has no role in that kind of course. He has no jurisdiction. Let's just keep him to his crappy little fog-covered city and stay out of his way. Let Batman do his thing. Great, cool, fine, whatever. And one of the things that you'll get to, like you know, weeks from now, is that Amanda Waller knows all about Batman. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The, I think the corollary to all that is if we couldn't harness Superman, we're not going to be able to harness another Superman down the road. And if that Superman is acting against us, we do have to have some people in harness that we can use against him. Yep. So she is looking for that kryptonite bullet that yeah. Lex Luthor was looking for. She is looking for a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, th- I feel like she says it in this movie, but it's something like, I don't know if it might be not in this movie, but it might be. It's really ringing strong that it's a quote from Amanda Waller. You fight superheroes with superheroes. It's like they're not going to fight, you know, the, the, the next war is going to be fought with them. That's from something. The, is it from this movie? There's it's, another conversation movie, later right? on it's, in the movie. It's next movie, week, yeah. right? Okay. 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 Yeah. So, like that, I'm a strong believer of that in the DC Comics universe from a government official's perspective. They really think 
that metahumans are the next super soldier. Like that's that yeah, whole mindset. Yeah. It's always going to be like that. So I, I mean, you'll yeah, you have like government liaisons to the Justice League and everything, but they're just like one particular person that has mm-hmm. their dealings with the league or whatever. You go to any other government official, and they're going to look at you like. Like I do my job, I go to work Monday through Friday, nine to five, but then, you know, they're just flying around the sky and get to do F all, whereas I'm busting my butt over yeah. here for the country. Like where, no, yeah, you're right. Where's yeah. your kind of retribution? You know? You're absolutely right. I um I wonder, Amanda Waller's kind of uh previous thing, because we um we kind of posed the question, but we didn't answer it because we were waiting for today to talk about it. But how long it's been since the death of Superman? I don't know how long it's been. I don't know if you guys know how long it's no, been. I have no but idea. Along with answering that question, like I, I wonder her her role within politics during the events of Dawn of Justice. Do, did she play any part in the the crisis of Must There Be a Superman? Did she play any role? I mean, like Lex Luthor has no affiliation with her, but I feel like that would be uh, like a mastermind pairing. What do you think she's a part of? Like strategic defense. I have no I idea what her like. There are Argus name drops in this yeah. movie. It's never like really brought to the fore, but it's 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 there. They they get mentioned. They're on screens. So I don't know if that's what she's with. I I mean, if there's mentions of it, yeah. If there's mentions of Argus, that means it exists. And uh, by comic book definition, that means Amanda Waller is running it. Yeah, it says um, uh, high-ranking government official and director of Argus. And then Argus is securities, like it's defense, defensive, homeland security. <laughs> and Argus was a creation of the New 52 um, DC Universe with the idea that the government would want to liaise with the Justice League out of a motivation of not yeah. trusting them. They don't know who the league is. They don't know what the mm-hmm. league will do. And they want to have somebody who can communicate and and talk to them. And that person was going to be yeah, Steve it Trevor. Was, it, was. it was for five years. Yeah. And it was Amanda Waller. That was all during and that, that whole run, early New 52 with Justice League of America. Oh, man. That was some good reads where they had each character, like, the you know, they could stack up against all seven members of the league. The Justice Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, America was like that because you had uh, Martian Manhunter. And it was like, yeah, Martian hey, Manhunter. Superman goes crazy, send in Manhunter. I think Catwoman was in there. Vibe, and Dr. Yeah. Um, Catwoman, Vibe and uh, Dr. Savage Light. Hawkman. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, it was a build-up build to build forever. Trinity yeah. War or whatever. Yeah. Trinity or something like that. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was a build-up. Oh, yeah, because we didn't know about Forever Evil until after Trinity War. Yes. Justice League of America was a build up to Trinity War. The ending of Trinity War died again. Yeah. And oh man. The ending of Trinity War was like a huge, like, left hook out of nowhere. It was like, what? That was it. Yeah, because Dr. Light, it was. Cyborg was like. That battery was overloaded. (laughs) He just came and exploded him. It was like, whoa. He just (laughs) killed that dude. Um, Argus was first mentioned in Dawn of Justice. It says mentioned only, but it's Argus was. So Argus existed already. And so it wasn't made after... And we didn't catch it in Dawn of Justice? Well, I mean, if it's mentioned, it's probably, you know, I don't know. You think it was in the prequels? Maybe I was thinking maybe Jenna Malone's character probably mentions it or something. Um, wondering about the bullet or something. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying it to might think, on a remember if we caught any things like that. But. but the thing is that she was probably director. I can assume she's been director. 
of Argus. And if it's during that time, like if she's, if, if Argus's goal is to handle major threats involving the United States of America, Superman has to have been a conversation multiple times. And I feel like Lex Luthor's quest for knowledge has to at some more, at some point cross paths with Amanda Waller. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and in in this minute, we kind of get like you the 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 statement of you kind of you sit there acting like the cat who ate the canary, and that to me is like that implies that some level of corruption in Amanda Waller. Why are mm-hmm. you so happy about this? Do you play a part in his death? Like that seems criminal, right? Doesn't it seem like a suspect? It seems a little thing? criminal, but it's more so of like she's she's sitting there with the I told you so. That's her entire mentality. So yeah, like I mean, yeah, it's it's just blatant. I told you so. She's she is there to do the job that she was born to do. Now is when they need Amanda Waller, and she realizes that. She realized it once Superman, once that happened in um, the Black Zero event. Amanda Waller stepped up and was like, "Okay, weaponize it. Get other people like this. Use them to our advantage. These people exist. Yada yada yada." Let's go get the ball rolling, and she's just been headstrong. The she's time, really the biding her time until they need her. She's really the only one who won in Dawn of Justice. Like, who? If you yeah. had to say who was successful, Superman, Batman, Lex Luthor. It's like the person who won out of that whole last movie, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. Yeah. She won everything. She got what she wanted. Mm-hmm. She is the one with the lottery ticket now, and she's cashing that in. Like. It'll be a fast cash too. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so I have a couple of things um, in the marketing building up to Batman v Superman. Evidently, um, there were some interviews with Lex Luthor, like some supposedly in-universe interviews with Lex Luthor, released by Wired, and he was profiled in Fortune magazine. And it was in those interviews that he says. Um, Suffice to say, the dangers we've seen, we've been talking about are very real, and they're not a couple of alien brawlers able to level tall buildings in a single bout. I'm ready to sit down with whatever task force the government has assembled in the interest of sharing intelligence and building solutions together. If she, they, Argus, the government, whatever you want to call it, has a real interest in fighting for the future, they ought to work with those of us who are already on the front lines. So I think in Batman v Superman, Lex Luthor knew Amanda Waller and Argus were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Lex Luthor. You kind of, that's, that seems to me, that seems really duh. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He went through all the trouble to find out everything he could over all these metahumans and everything. Of course, he's going to cross paths with the government agency that's actually legally allowed to be doing these background checks. And he's probably just like, oh yeah, all right, well, by the way, Argus, I know way more than you, so uh, I'm not even going to bother with you anymore. Right. But do your job. Because I'm doing it for you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where were those? Where was that interview from? Um, you said it was from Wired. Was it just like in an article in Wired, like in Universe? Because um, the, the prequel comic had him at the construction site, but it was just him saying like LexCorp is now taking over of Metropolis. Like we are just re, we're going to rebuild Metropolis. Like that. That was that conversation. Um, it looks like the uh, the page is dated December of fifteen. And uh, it's a headline that says lexical analysis. Lex Luthor on the uh, on disrupting the vigilante industrial complex, written by Ron Troop. I love that. Um, and yeah, if 
I, I'll send you a link. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Please share. There's, there's, there's actually a whole uh, uh, transcribed interview between Ron Troop and Lex Luthor here that might be worth reading. Yeah. I think I will be reading it when we're done recording. Anything, <laughs> anything with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor is worth reading. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, honestly, Absolutely. anything. Yeah, I think in this universe, and we've talked about it a handful of times regarding, um, uh, and this kind of goes into what we were talking about yesterday, with how does the world perceive Batman? And I, I think it was Lex Luthor who uh, he deduced that Batman is not a vampiric demon who's scouring in at yeah. night and like, you know, feeding on prey or whatever. But it's like, it is a guy in a costume. And, and I think it was Lex Luthor when he was you know he's hacked into surveillance cameras around gotham he's seen the batman fight firefly or whatever mm -hmm. and and he's like he's like this is just a human yeah like literally firefly in a halloween in costume yeah. yeah like he's not some demon and so i think that information i think the metahuman thesis piqued lex Luthor's interest and then he got all the information and now waller's over here is like i finally have all the information how'd you get that information and it's like, it has to be this Lex Luthor guy. Like, he has to have, yeah. there's got to be some affiliation. Now, what I'm saying is like, you know, they've teased this Legion of Doom thing. No villain pairing. Like, you put, okay, it's like, oh, we have Black Adam, we have Black Manta, we have, you know, Joker and Lex Luthor and Deathstroke. It's like, no, the worst pairing is putting Amanda Waller and Lex Luthor in the same room. Like, that is terrifying. Just those two characters. Like, like. That to yeah, me that's is, some power. I mean, that's I'm, power. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first one to say that I'm I'm a huge fan of Batman and Amanda Waller scenes. Like that's mm -hmm. those two characters together, they get work done. Mm -hmm. They know they're running the show. When you have those two in the same room, it's like mm -hmm. it's like a black king and black queen on opposite sides of the board, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're the same kind of character, but they're on opposing. Some, sometimes uh, they views. have agreed on stuff, right? I feel um, like that's a thing. Sometimes they're like kind of on the same page. Isn't wasn't Amanda Waller? It happens from time to time for a story. Black Queen, Black. It's it's like both Black Queen, White King. Wasn't that a moniker? No, that's a, there's a checkmate comic that I don't know yeah. a whole lot about. I'm pretty sure. That was how, like, with, with Checkmate and Fairplay and all that stuff, when they were introducing all that stuff, she had different code names. And I'm pretty sure there was something that was like White King, Black King, whatever it was. Um, there is Queen, King and Queen, whatever that there is. There uh, is one thing that I, I kind of have a question about regarding like pseudonyms and, and like placeholder titles, but she's, she's walking into, um, First of all, we're shown in this minute, we're showing the, the flashbacks to Dawn of Justice. If you haven't seen it, uh, you don't have to because this movie is kind of bring you into it, like a world where Superman has died. Like It's kind of like a cool, again, like jumping into comics. It's like, hey, look, you know, in this universe, there was a Superman. He died and we're dealing with the aftermath. So it has this cool moment, but she's um, remembering on that and she's saying, you know, that's why I'm here now. And she's got this huge smile on her face. Um, you don't, and it's kind of like a two-faced kind of thing, no pun intended, but it's like, she's smiling, just being courteous to the guy selling t-shirts, but also like that's, it, there's more to that smile mm -hmm. behind the frame kind of thing. Um, she's walking into this restaurant or club, Capitol building restaurant. 
the Capitol Grill. It's called the Cicada. And I don't know. Like the what, bug? Yeah. It's, this it's a place high called, class restaurant or like four star restaurant. It looks like they've rented much the place like the out. Bug. But that's what it's like. Does the cicada mean something? Oh, because you know, like that, the hive is it spelled the same? Yeah, cicada. I mean, the symbol really looks like a bug, too. Like, it almost looks like that's the joke. Like, it looks like you're walking, you know, into like a hornet's nest or something, you know, like, oh, is there something? maybe like I didn't even pick up on that here. Let me, it see is a real restaurant for what it's worth. It yeah. is. Oh, hold on. Cicada really? Restaurant and Club. Italian dining at its best. How many stars has it got? <laughs> it's, it's Yelp oh, wait, this is in LA, though. This is not Washington. Oh, so it's fake. Oh, man. I was oh, gonna... maybe the, it's a chain. It's a chain restaurant. <laughs> I searched the catering restaurant in Washington, D.C. Why did it give me stuff in LA? Why is the internet dumb sometimes? But I don't, uh, I don't know. It was uh, probably filmed in L.A. Uh, I, let me type in Cicada DC and see if I, it's some comic stuff. There's a character named Cicada. Um, Flash season five cast some guy as DC supervillain Cicada. Uh, as far as I know, it's just a, a Flash villain. Um, David Hirsch. I don't know. Someone named Cicada. I don't know. As far as I can tell, it's just a DC villain. Uh, there's no... There's no organization. Um, there's a villain named Cicada. There's a Flash villain named Cicada. What's his powers? Yeah, I don't know. He looks like an old man. He looks like he just screams a bunch. Did he y'all know there's like a novelization a Mandarin, of this film? Like Master Oshi type villain. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Um, it's on the uh, DC wiki. It is by Marvel. No, I did not. Who's it by? No. I'm going to be reading this because Man of Steel got novelized, I think, but Batman v Superman did not. Suicide Squad did. You want me to run down the differences from the film? There are like six things listed here. You want to read? There was a lot of. So one is the Joker is revealed to have jumped off the chopper before it crashed, so that wasn't left as a death tease. Yeah, um, sure. Johnny Come Frost on. has a short point of view segment, which he reveals he is scared of the mental state of the other goons, especially Panda Man. I don't even know mm-hmm. who Johnny Frost is. Is Johnny Frost one of the Joker's goons? Okay. He's scared of Panda Man. Lily loved Panda Man. She thought that was the greatest uh, mask. Oh, they're, they're, um, they're, Lily's they're my daughter. Joker's goons. Uh, yeah. The Joker Harley relationship is more abusive and twisted. Um, Monster T commits suicide instead of getting mm-hmm. shot by the Joker. Batman tells Harley he's getting her in Bell Rev as revenge for the death of Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some you knew about so, something is like it that. when uh, she gets reintroduced later again yeah. for like a second time in this. Three oh yeah, because I'll get little descriptions on the screen. Some um, of them are kind of funny, and it talks and, about and there's like a little bullet point about her. Oh yeah, I remember that. Being okay. in yes, yeah, she. Um, and also, Waller yeah. rewards Deadshot like before he is included like in the squad. Uh, yeah, but it says so she, she, she gives him some sort of in the death yeah. of Robin. Yeah, is that the last one? Payday or something. Um, so, anyways, I did not know that. Either. Yeah, okay. yeah, like hmm. her version of Collateral. Um, it says here. I'm reading the Cicada thing a little bit more. I'm looking at kind of like some of his cliff notes. 
and it says here under affiliation that he's part of the Cicada Cult, which is a secret society of supervillains. Huh. So I don't, right. I don't know if that's a long stretch. I, I, I might be reaching, but maybe someone read comic books. Oh, I would have like, I oh, you should put yeah. the cicada on the restaurant because it's a secret meeting. I don't know. I don't know if someone did that. It's like uh, it should have been just called. I mean, checkmate lounge. That would be cool, right? I don't know. People wear the th- wear things like that. Checkmate lounge. Snapper Carr doing the interviews on television. Wasn't Snapper Carr in his universe? No, no he's not. No, none not of yet. the news people are. Anybody like that? Come on. I mean. Hey, we have G. Godfrey. Like, where's where are these things that you can add in this thing? Even if it's just a simple checkmate lounge, would have been perfect. But it, it you're might not, have been you're not wrong. Um, I'm not saying I'm. I'm. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should have done it like this. No, I'm not this guy. I didn't make the movie. <laughs> yada yada. I just want to know why. I mean, they did a. They made a point to have this club's logo and name big on the windows right there as her shot walking in yeah the whole thing what's the point of it the whole thing is like the more you think about it and the more you look into <laughs> like is the establishing shot of this restaurant <laughs> it's like it really does have a sense of like like okay they were designing it to be I don't know. Like it looks like we're like she's gonna go meet Marcellus Wallace or something like that. Like what's what's the deal? I know that's what I'm saying. She's Marcellus, and yet she's going into this like somebody owns this nightclub that's just has it rented out for these two government guys that are just eating dinner, and like that's it. Like they're literally buzzing about like top secret stuff. I mean, I guess it it makes sense for Amanda to come to them now. It's like, hey, my homework's done. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Versus in Dawn of Justice, we had the senators going to Lex, saying, hey you invited us we're here mm-hmm. so i mean i guess it's the reverse of the villain i don't know and maybe well i don't think she's necessarily coming to them so much as she's going to the meeting because uh, they had to come here too she just got here after them um almost that she would control the situation because she's the one who decides when the meeting starts because she's the one who gets there um but i do i do love her introduction you mentioned a little bit earlier because we get the shots of the funeral and as soon as we get away from the shots of the funeral, she has that big old cat that ate the canary smile. And she says, this is why I'm here. Uh, and it's just, it sets the tone for her character so, so well. Um, but to spin off of that, the uh, I was thinking about when the logo came up on the screen. Mm-hmm. We talked about last episode, how this is really Harley Quinn's suicide squad. And the logo really reflects that with the neon colors and everything. Yeah, And, um, when I was watching this last night, a couple of um, couple of guys who were up to no good uh, came onto my Facebook talking about how they didn't like the movie. And I always kind of hate that because it's like, I say I'm going to watch a movie and you have to come in and say why you don't like it. And it's just like, if we were sitting down to dinner and I ordered food, would you sit there and tell me why you hate the food that I'm eating? <laughs> why, your, your opinion is fine, but it's not appropriate right now. Um, anyways. That's aside the point. He was talking about how he didn't like that it was so not John Ostrander's Suicide Squad. Yeah. I think that's a valid critique. This is not John Ostrander's Suicide Squad. It is a different kind of Suicide Squad. It is Harley Quinn's Suicide Squad, and I think that the the logo helps depict that that is a this is a very different take 
on it from what it maybe originally was. I I agree with you. I don't think Suicide Squad has been an Ostrander like for many, many, many years. That was my reply to him. (laughs) Suicide Squad has deviated so far from its original purpose that it's it's its own thing now. Like Suicide Squad, like we were saying yesterday's, is a household name. And that's not due to Ostrander. Like it's not. It just really isn't. It's due to it's due to Harley Quinn and being her presence in animation and comics and her being on this team. If Harley Quinn wasn't on this team, people wouldn't know nor care about Suicide Squad, much like Doom Patrol. General opinion about Doom Patrol is people have no idea. And they're still a team based of misfits. Thunderbolts can have the same sort of a takeaway from it. You go to any sort of Marvel fan and you ask them about Thunderbolts, they're going to be like, oh, I don't really know who that is. I don't, I don't know what that is. Well, I mean, Mar- Marvel, Marvel movie fans, not Marvel comics fans. Yeah, Mar- yeah there, there you go, Marvel movie fans. And then you can, you know, maybe there will be the one in however many that know uh, Winter Soldier. It's like, oh yeah, cool, Winter Soldier, Elektra, great, awesome. They were, mm-hmm. they were cool in that. But like no one's going to know that that was an actual team that was <laughs> in the absence of Avengers much like how Suicide Squad was supposed to be in the absence of a Justice League that failed the mission, you know? And they weren't supposed to. They were just supposed to go there, kill everybody, and kill themselves. That's it. Just end everything. Done. Get it over with. Yada, yada. And that was Ostrander. Now it's just like a fun... When I think blow of- up. Like, let's let's just make a lot of loud noise. Let's Let's go in. Let's cause destruction and get in trouble get get like get wild weird yeah, yeah get yeah, wild yeah. And, and like when i think of that old suicide squad i think more of like it's like blackhawks but they die it's like yeah yeah you like you know what i'm saying like blackhawks was like a weird like uh just uh covert ops yeah comic book they did the mission yeah, yeah. but except it was like oh but you could die yeah. you know like you weren't important are you talking about the old silver age suicide squad the army book well, no, like Blackhawks, old old Blackhawks, and then yeah, I guess yeah, Silver Age Suicide mm-hmm. Squad, um, yeah, and that whole dealing like it, like in Legends and everything like that, their whole run. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think when people are saying you know I don't like that movie because it you know I didn't prefer it, I think I it think just it's okay. Like, <laughs> it seemed like it was just an argument, just to have an argument. Yes. Oh, it's not like the original. That argument yes. is just come on. We don't let's be done with that. I I want people to say that a movie was not good because something in production quality is not good. Like, yeah, like lacking in dialogue or scenes were too badly short, written. Something like, like that. yeah, the char- the director of photography didn't you know it wasn't the greatest, and mm-hmm. it's like maybe the CGI seemed like it's not finished. Like something is wrong with the movie. I think that is valid criticism Mm -hmm. i don't like hearing that movie is terrible because that that superman was not christopher reeve superman that's called preference and Mm -hmm. when you start doing preference that's subjective and you can't say a movie is good or bad based on what you prefer like oh but they can and they they do do. (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's the worst thing because when you say that then you're taking away the value of artist interpretation and if we don't respect artists, and what's the whole point? Like, why? Like, it's like it doesn't have to be a certain way. Like, let you know, we choose a director, we put faith in, faith in the director, and then it's like, okay, we'll appreciate the the work of art that they make. You know, whether it's a comic book, movie, film, or just any film. But it's like that 
should not be, you know, my, my takeaway shouldn't be like, it's not what I wanted. It's like, it wasn't about you. Like no one came up to your door you weren't the specific client. No one was like, Oh, does this match your interest? It's like, it's a, it's a, you know, I can go to, uh, I, uh, let's say Thor Ragnarok, like never in a million years would have I had, you know, if I was a director, if I had my own studio crew, like I would not have directed Thor Ragnarok the same way Taika did, but it's a good film, you know, like I'm not saying, like I can't say like, oh, that's not how I wanted it to go because it's, you know, that's not a good opinion. Like it's still a great film, you know, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. You also don't see people picking up a comic book and then reading it all the way through and then closing it and being like, that's not how I wanted it to go. No, you take that comic book for what it is. Be like, oh yeah, okay, well that happened. You yeah. either like it or you don't like it, but you never have something where it's, I, I, working in a shop, I have never experienced someone coming up to me and saying they didn't like it because that's not what they wanted, wanted or expected. Unless you're reading Batman 50, yeah. which came out recently. Like it's just, people are hating Tom King for it. I mean, but whatever. He wrote it, it was published deal with it it yeah. just happened it existed <laughs> like it, it happens big deal um and i feel like it's a silly argument yeah it, it's just it's so much of where we are now like the titans trailer came out recently mm-hmm. and um so many degrading words it's trash it's it's stupid it's whatever and really it all boils down to um the colors aren't bright they're fighting more violently than they did in my comic because I was 12 when I read that comic. And, and, you know, he says, fuck Batman. Uh, And I've very little experience with the Titans and with, with Dick Grayson, but I know that there are plenty of times in the character's history when he has been in the mood of fuck Batman. Oh yeah. And he just doesn't say it because it's a (laughs) kid's comic. It's the Robin Um, rite of passage. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. So I feel like, you know, we don't know what the stories are yet. We don't have anything to enjoy it on yet. So people are purely judging the trailer on the choices that are being made and whether or not they would make the same choices. And I, I just, I don't know. It's like when you were a kid and your dad told you a bedtime story, did you question his right to choose that story? I don't know. My dad never read a story to me. He got you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the question still stands. No, you're not going to... All right, all right, son. Good night. Hey, Dad. Um, yeah, why that one? Like, <laughs> Dad, this. Let me tell you why that wasn't a good yeah, book. <laughs> Dad, why don't you take a seat? Well, you know, why don't you lay in the bed? I'll sit yeah. in the chair. Why Dad, it's called Good Night Moon, not Good Night Ruin the Story. <laughs> but but why, why did they choose uh, the moon, Dad? I mean, come on. I mean, I've always been a fan yeah, of the sun, exactly. so I think that we should be saying good night to the sun instead of the moon. It'd be a better story because I like the sun more. Yeah. And that's not criticism. That's not legit. I mean, the sun goes away. Well, it does. But Where's yeah. Good Morning Sun? Why isn't that a book? Yeah, representation matters. All right. Yeah. Come on. Um, I, I'm trying to think here. Like, um, I, I think when it comes to preference, it's okay to say, you know, I didn't prefer it. Cool. That's fine. But it doesn't, you know, bottom line, Criticize it on, you know, there are things to criticize in Suicide Squad. There really is. You know, there's there's kind of, from this film, and this is, you know, we're going to be talking about this a lot with future DC films for a few movies about studio manipulation. Those are valid things to say. There's some problems with this film. I get that. But 
the the preference about this what kind of suicide squad is featured like yeah. not, this film which is based on the success of the 2011 new 52 suicide squad they're barely connected with uh i would say like the tone and the aesthetic like even like this film created its own version you know like it's like i know it's based on the success of new 52 but it's still not one for one you know I, I know which, exactly what you're saying, and it kind of goes into, like, you see the reverse of it in comic books now, because once you have a success like this, they start to write the characters based off of their screen iteration. Like, mm-hmm. um, Nick Fury. Nick Fury's a good one. Um, I was My favorite one is to go to, I mean, Tony Stark. Tony Stark now is written, just it's just Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's Whedon's Tony Stark. Um, 52 Superman. Yeah, but see, like that's uh, a little bit, not really, because did they longer. change Aquaman yet? I haven't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they changed Aquaman like two years ago to make him look like Jason Momoa. Did um, they? He's he's still blonde, but they gave him the the scale. Yeah, the longer hair, the scaled armor, and injustice they tattoos. Gave him the tattoo. They yeah. gave him like they're like yeah, he's got a tattoo. Yeah, that's he's. Cool. I mean, like he. They made him look after Rebirth. They started making him look more like Jason Momoa, mm-hmm. uh, more. Pacific, I guess. Islander. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still a blonde kid. Like, he's still just a Lord of Dogtown surfer dude. You know, I, I like all the different versions of Teen Titans that we have. Like, we, I feel like we have, like, even if you're not looking forward to the new one, you can still be like, at least we have Teen Titans Go, yeah. which is like the polar opposite. Yeah. yeah. And we have like Teen Titans the, Drama. The, the, you know, the Japanese anime Teen Titans uh so you know it's yeah it's like we have different versions and it's like as long as the new titan show is good the tone that they want to go into may not you know again may not be a criticism it's just the way that they went with it um so we'll see yeah dim control yeah i want to see them connect if, that to yeah that show. titans is going to be that <laughs> yeah mature <laughs> mm-hmm. then that gives me kind of hope for yeah. the other shows especially swamp thing and doom patrol oh my gosh you have no idea how much we're excited for that man <laughs> um i think that that is my last note i know there's a there's a part where she says like you know the worst part you know some of them have abilities. The worst part about a metahuman is the human part. And I kind of went into the Superman bit. So I don't know if you guys have any other notes to follow up on that one. But I... I mean, I think it's true. Um, that It is the human part because that human part is is the one variable. I mean, if you have a metahuman... If you have abilities, those abilities are there and you have to live with them. They're mm-hmm. not going away. You can try to suppress them or whatever, but chances are they're they're there. You're going to be using them. The human part is the variable that can either act on those, uh, you know, good intentions for humanity and for your other peers or against them. So there's always like, you know, that 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 chance that the human mind has a breaking point with superpowers or without superpowers. No matter what, you're still vulnerable to that, to being a human. Um, I really It's interesting how the descriptor human can be something so high and something so low. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I consider myself a humanist, you know, mm-hmm. we humans can always strive to be better. We are the, however good we are is the best that the universe has to offer, at least in our little you know corner of it. And 
there's so much potential there at the same time. Um, the human race is full of trash. Yep. And flaws and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely agree with you right there. You know who saw that? <laughs> the Greek gods. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about in the next film. The original metahumans. Yeah. The original metahumans in my, in my metahuman thesis, they are like, yeah, they pass those genes along. So everyone is just some sort of demigod in, in some mixing of, of DNA. But like, yeah, like Ares saw that. And Ares, mm-hmm. de- he he exploited the human part in, in humans. And he also uh, like cut out his human part. Yeah. You know, like to be the human part of the Greek gods is probably what led to their downfall because they were flawed people. They were just, you know, metahumans that were praised, you yeah. know. And so, like, Ares knew that, and Ares used that because that's who Ares is. And so, um, there there are things um, in this DC Cinematic Universe, when it comes to villains, that it's very easy to say, like, the villains in, in this DC Cinematic Universe are so shallow. But it's it may not be so much as that, but we're not doing a better job of highlighting the, the the superiority complex that these characters have like there's there's um the value is not being highlighted as much we we i think general zod is the one villain that we were like i, I would want to say the closest to being spoon-fed like this guy there's something to sympathize with this character mm-hmm. and we're not getting that enough with lex Luthor and with Ares and with Amanda Waller because those people are some they're they're right in their own ways you know and we're not do, and we only know that with General Zod that's why a lot of people because yeah, he was the only one that had 20 minutes of his backstory in yes, the beginning exactly, of the film like exactly. we didn't get that with other villains and we're missing that and it's and uh who knows i always was hoping that Stephen Wolf would have been the same way that he was like you know, like I am a slave to apocalypse as well. As like you know, yeah, he, he, has he is the that. flattest like, villain in DC's barely. history so far. Yeah, yeah, everybody. I mean, like, but but it it, it the the reaction to Steppenwolf causes everyone to think that all the villains in the DC Cinematic Universe are are somewhat shallow and 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 not very dynamic. And it's like if you looked at you know, like look at all the villains like from chronological order you go zod lex Luthor, amanda waller aries it's like those people have sympathetic value you can look at those characters and and, and be like there's something that they think is right you know and i i think uh, mama june in this one june moon well see i was just yeah, june, i was gonna june moon you know wait till you you finish your point but i think that the contrast with amanda waller is all the other villains in this story because this is a story full of villains. And she says the problem with the metahuman is the human part, because as an enforcer of law, she is not a good person. She just happens to be working on the side of the angels, so to speak. And as such, she looks at all these villains as trash people that she can use. But through the course of the movie, we see that all of these people, they're actually really good people for the, you know, in, in a lot of ways that happen to make choices that are not really that, you know, valued by society. So, you know, someone like Deadshot, who is a father, 
and, and, and lives his life for his daughter. Sure. He kills people for a living instead of, you know, I don't know, running a business or working on cars, whatever it is you might want to do, but he's a good guy. And Harley Quinn, she, you know, she was in love and she values a person that she's trying to live with and live for. And she's sure crazy, but <laughs> yeah, she tried to save. So yeah, but, but she did try to save a life. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. She, she, and then yeah. Diablo, he spends the entire movie not wanting to use his powers because he doesn't want to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He killed one person was like, Nope. <laughs> yeah. That's, he's literally he in life one for person. one person. Yep. The person he loved the most. So I feel like that line that the problem with the metahuman is a human part is such a complex portrait of this film. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, there's, there's so much going on in that. Absolutely. When, uh, when Will Smith was preparing for this dead shot role, he was reading a lot of philosophy and I can't remember exactly who it, I don't know if it was Joseph Campbell. Um, but he was saying that to get into the mindset of dead shot, he, you have to, um, you have to ask yourself some sort of question of like, why? Okay, so let's say Deadshot kills someone. Why did he kill that person? Well, the obvious answer is that he killed them because it felt good. Now the real question is, why does it feel good? And like, I think you have to apply that to all these villains. Is like, okay, so Captain Boomerang robs a bank. Like, why did he do it? The reason is it felt good. Mm-hmm. Now the real question you got to ask yourself, why does it feel good to rob? Why does it feel good to kill people? Why does it feel good to exploit people for their human aspect? You know, like, so there's Amanda Waller is doing this because it feels good. And so there's, there's something like that's a, she feels like she has so much harder to answer that question, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if you can answer that question. I can't answer it for them. But we really, I mean, we all have our vices that we do because they feel good. Even the simple act of buying something. It's weird how there's just like, there's some sort of weird endorphin trigger by going and spending money and getting a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A new thing or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I don't know, but you know, people get those little kicks by doing whatever it is that they like to do and different people like to do different things. And some people like to do things that the rest of us might consider not so great. And let that be the takeaway, you know, as you as you stop listening to this episode and you next time you do something or just ask yourself that on a daily basis why do i do this well you do it because it it feels good but why does it feel good just ask yourself about anything it's like get real deep yeah get real deep with that um (laughs) john thank you so much for joining us this week to talk about uh the remembering of superman and the introduction of amanda waller it's been so great having you back on and i knew I had to have you to talk about Superman He's because um, even though, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though like the first week we normally don't have guests, I was like, I gotta have, I gotta have you to talk about these minutes. So I'm so glad you could join us to talk about it. Um, once more time before we wrap up for uh, the week, go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you and what you're up to. You can follow me on Twitter at John reads comics with no H in John. Uh, also my website, John is the home of my new solo podcast and any future podcasting endeavors that I have planned will be there. Uh, right now you can listen to all the pouches and image comics podcast, which is where I'm going through. And, you know, I, 
I've read some image and there's a lot that I haven't read. So some of this is review for me. Some of this is first time experience. And so you can follow along as uh, as one fan explores image comics early years. And I also have a show that comes out every Friday at makehoursmarvel.com where Michael Kaiser and I are going through the early years of the Marvel universe and uh, talking about all the different heroes and how their continuities uh, were built, how they all fit together. And we're having a great time over there. That's every Friday at makeoursmarvel.com. Cool. And you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, where you can join us, other listeners, and other guests of the show to talk about Suicide Squad Minute, or if you're catching up on Man of Steel Minute or Dawn of Justice Minute, there are uh, over 300 episodes of that. So definitely check those out. There's plenty of content for you guys to listen to or catch up on. I'll catch you guys next week for Minute number six of Suicide Squad. 